And we pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. There's one fact about Palm Sunday that has always amazed me, but not in a good way. How could Jesus go from being absolutely praised on Palm Sunday with a, a, a parade in the streets with people waving palm branches, throwing down their, their nice coats on the road only to get trampled by a donkey, uh, waving palm branches in the air, quoting Psalm 118, shouting Hosanna in the highest, to just a few days later, being nailed to a cross. How did this escalate so quickly? For sure, the leaders who crucified Jesus probably weren't there on Palm Sunday praising him. But the crowd, many in the crowd who were there on Palm Sunday were there, were probably there for Jesus' trial. We heard in our Passion History lesson how there was a custom of releasing a prisoner during the Passover. And how the people, after being convinced by the chief priests and the elders, uh, shouted, uh, crucify him, about Jesus. Luke tells us they were all united on this. They shouted together as with one voice. How did this escalate so quickly? How did they, they go from shouting hosannas uh, at one minute uh, to, to shout and crucify him in just a matter of five days. How did they go from waving palm branches to waving their fists in anger? How did this escalate so quickly? We see why scattered throughout the four Gospels. Luke records that the people were rejoicing and praising Jesus for everything that they had witnessed, for all the miracles they had seen. John records that many in the crowd had been with Jesus when he raised Lazarus from the dead. And others had followed him all the way from Galilee where Jesus had healed many people and they had been with him in the multitude when he fed the 5,000 people. They knew and even saying out that this was the son of David that he had come in the name of the Lord because only God could do these great things. So many there in the crowd, if not most, want Jesus to continue doing more of the same. In Luke chapter 19, we get this little detail about Jesus. Right before Jesus is, is going to enter into Jerusalem for the triumphal entry. And Jesus is pictured crying. But he's not crying out of self-pity or fear of the cross. He's crying because he knows that the people of Jerusalem don't understand what kind of peace he has come to bring. The people are confused in the Gospel of John as to what kind of king Jesus is. They know he's a king, which is why they're praising him here as he enters, but they're thinking he's going to go straight to the palace and he's going to save our nation. Even Jesus' own disciples don't understand that Jesus has come to suffer and die because the minute hardship happens, all but one of them flee. They thought he was going to save them from hardship by being their king. One of the reasons Jesus is put on trial before Pontius Pilate 
is that he claimed to be a king. So Pilate asks him, are you a king? See, they're all thinking that Jesus came to be an earthly king. And if he was an earthly king, he was going to do a lot of earthly things. He was going to make a visible difference in the world. They thought he was going to save them, the Jews, from occupation by Roman forces. He was going to keep healing people. He was going to keep feeding the hungry as he did with the 5,000. He was going to sit on the throne in Jerusalem and rule as king. And so the very next thing Jesus does after the triumphal entry is he goes to the temple. And he literally kicks out people who are making the temple and using the temple for earthly gain. Jesus does the exact opposite thing that everyone wanted. The way Jesus has come to save them is by dying for them. By not going to the palace to rule, but by going to the cross to die. Do you remember how Jesus responded to Pontius Pilate? He said, my kingdom is not of this world. Everything Jesus did was for this purpose, not to make earth a better place, not to make people content, and definitely not to keep people from dying on earth. But rather that when they do, when they, when they face trials when they die to graciously take them from this earth to himself in heaven. So how about you? Is Jesus the king you want? Are we content that God's goal for us is heaven? Or do we want Jesus to, to make a visible difference in, in our world, to make heaven on earth? Now, I know right now in our lives, we probably want Jesus to heal our world, to restore it, to remove the sickness, to remove the fear, to grant prosperity to our economy once again. And all of these things are good, and we should pray for them. But we should pray for them according to God's will. Know that God's ultimate desire is to not be an earthly king and do a bunch of earthly things to make us comfortable and content in this life. God's desire is to bring us to heaven, which has been made possible by the peace Jesus restored by his death on the cross. And that doesn't mean, of course, that God isn't concerned with our lives on earth. If it wasn't, then Jesus wouldn't have healed all those people. He wouldn't have fed all those people. He wouldn't have done all those miracles. And, and, and God wouldn't have given us all of our blessings, the blessing of modern medicine, uh, of good government, and the prosperity that we do have. But when the earthly things that give us comfort are taken away, we can become just like the crowd in Jerusalem. One minute praising Jesus for all the things that we can see, and the next minute cursing him for what he hasn't given to us. This is where Paul's letter to the Philippians is so appropriate. Paul says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, 
did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. While we would want Jesus to exalt himself in order to, to humble all of our earthly enemies and to exalt us uh, in this life, Jesus humbled himself so that we, who were enemies of God, might be exalted. So that we would have the gift of heaven. Jesus went through every earthly trial that we could imagine in his humiliation, sickness, shame, even death, to bring us life. So Paul encourages us to have the same mind of Christ. To not look for what we deserve from God, what we think God should give to us, but what we can give to others. To have a mind of humility and service. Just as Jesus' kingdom is not of this world, we are not of this world. But we are in this world. And as Christians who have been placed in this world, God desires that we show his love to the world. And we do this by having the same humble mind as Christ, realizing, first of all, that this world is not our end goal. Right now, maybe you are feeling overwhelmed by the situation in the world. It's so large and so complicated. How can, how can I possibly make a difference? And if you're like me, you... Maybe you're feeling even a little bit of guilt right now over not knowing exactly what to do or where to begin or, or, or if you should do more. Earlier this week, an article from the Lutheran Witness was shared online. It was an article that was written in 1918 at the height of the Spanish flu, which also forced churches to close. The article says this, are you looking for some good work to do? Would you do something to glorify God? Something whereby you may show your gratitude toward your Savior. Something whereby you yourself may be blessed and whereby you may bless your neighbor. Something whereby you may be a blessing to your whole country. Institute family devotion daily in your home. Go about it in a cheerful, friendly, evangelical manner. If that is daily done, you have accomplished something that will bless you and yours in time and eternity. Do you want to make a difference in the world? Start in your own home. Start by loving your family, by confessing Jesus as Lord, and pray as we do in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom the kingdom of God is not of this world. Proof of God's kingdom coming is not that everything in the world is going well, not that our country is prospering, not that we are free from our, and, and not that everything even in our own families is perfect. Rather, the kingdom of God comes when our Heavenly Father gives us his Holy Spirit so that by his grace we believe his Holy Word and live godly lives here in time and hereafter in eternity. And this comes even without our asking. God's kingdom comes when
when you forgive each other. And once you've started showing the humble mind of Christ in your own home, show it in your neighborhood by helping your neighbor. Show it in your community, in your state, by honoring and serving your government. And realize that also the world is not yours to save. If after being faithful in your vocations you still feel guilty over not doing enough, Realize that this is a strategy of the devil. The devil wants you to turn inward to your own capabilities and resources or, or lack thereof and wants you to think that, that if God isn't the type of king you thought, well, then maybe you have the power to save the world. But you are not king. Jesus is. And although he is not a king of the world, he is the king of the world because he humbled himself in order to save it. God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, the name Jesus, which means God saves. The people on Palm Sunday as they cried out, Hosanna, which means, save us now. Even though they didn't fully understand what kind of king Jesus was or what kind of kingdom he came to bring, they proclaimed the truth of what Jesus would do. Save. God saves. God will save you. Even when you are brought low and, and, and humbled, humbled uh, with sickness, humbled with fear, humbled with any earthly trial. It is your greatest honor because you will be exalted. He will save you because he has already borne in all of your infirmities and weaknesses in his body and crucified them with himself on the cross. And that ultimate humility, your eternal salvation, is God's greatest glory. So rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and brings salvation. He is humble and riding on a donkey and a colt, the foal of a donkey. In Jesus' name, amen.